Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-hosts, Raul and Shu. I'm going to do a little bit of a quick reaction here to the the exhibition. Uh, Duke played UNC Pembroke the other night, came away with a 109-64 win. Um, Pretty good atmosphere, it looked like, from the TV for an exhibition game. Team seemed to be fired up. Uh, Shu, you were actually on press row again for this one. A little bit different than Countdown. We're seeing some real competition. Kind of compare, contrast. What was the experience like this time compared to to Countdown? It was pretty empty, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. um, Student section wasn't quite full. I mean, you could see it on the TV there, um, there to the size where they put the the cheerleaders up. But even as the game was approaching, I mean, I looked up and they were all, you know, scattered empty seats throughout the upper deck. So it's so a Wednesday night. It's cold. Exhibition game doesn't really count for anything. I, I think there was a soccer game going on at the same time also. Some of the out-of-state ticket holders probably not coming down for the exhibition, right? Right, right. So, um, but overall, I mean, the crowd, you know, they were into it, you know, right behind me, um, especially that hot start from from Tyrese, so, you know, um, kind of waned through the second half as, you know, obviously we – we had already put the game away, but we're giving up some some buckets as well. We'll get into that. What about the not cheering part? How like did you find yours? Are you like gripping like fist pumping inside of your pants there as Tyrese goes four or five to start the game? Or like wh- how difficult was it to remain neutral this time versus a countdown? Uh, I mean, I was pretty much just tapping my pen on the you know like mm-hmm. instead of a clap, <laughs> I was gonna like you know Sean Stewart got the dunk, the alley oop. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Um, and that tip in he had too. I was okay. He he kind of floats, man. That guy he when does, he gets up there, dude. he just looks like he floats. Yeah, he does. It's like the uh 
the like back in the day the crouching tiger hidden dragon how they kind of like run across the tops like <laughs> on that tip end dude he hung up there forever because yeah, he I almost goes like, oh, for it yeah. he comes back not to get interference and then still gets it dude like, i was like oh he, he mistimed it then it was like left hand tap i was like okay yeah impressive yeah um well i guess we're kind of burying it a little bit i guess we'll just jump in and start talking about the game um what's i think it is a little bit of a tale of two halves a bit you know um Let's kind of talk about some of the positives that we saw. Um, obviously, Tyrese started the game and set the tone. Um, talked about a guy who had a pretty slow start last year to hit the ground running in that way. Um, I'm imagining, you know, you said it wasn't full, but I would imagine that probably got maybe the most electric right there to just start the game up 14-2, and it just was over pretty much yep. right there. Um, pass this off to you guys. Raul, I'll go to you first here. Um, what what do you take from that from Tyrese? I know for me it was just more about the confidence that he had in his shot and just his ability to to kind of look for that. Um, what, what you know is this just an exhibition? He goes four or five. He could go over five next week. Or do you take something from this that like, okay, this is could be the start of a really special season? Well, I mean, if that's what you're hoping for, you'd like to see that he was the best player on the floor clearly um you know so that's not a bad start at all regardless of the competition i like that he hit threes from basically everywhere on the floor um so it didn't just seem like he's kind of you know restricted to one spot or anything like that but we've always said that we thought he would end up shooting really well you know the free throw percentage is 90 percent or whatever it is and towards the end of last year he finishes last 12 15 games around 40 percent so I think this is just a carryover um, from last year. You know, even last year when he was missing, it wasn't just that he was missing. It's like he seemed hesitant to even shoot. Mm -hmm. And here he just comes out gunning. So, yeah, I was really impressed. Yeah. Anything to add from the from the live take there? It looked like he was pretty fired up, kind of jawing a little bit, maybe felt a little disrespected when it looked like he kind of said something of like, hey, bro. You got to come guard me, you know, yeah. like, what are you he doing down here? Leave the, me open. In the, in, in front of their bench and yep. looked over. Yep. And I think he said, so I couldn't, you know, couldn't hear it real well, but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely fired up about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I probably should have started with this, but I think just the way Tyree started, I had, I had to go there first. Um, Jared McCain gets announced as the fifth starter. I think that's probably been the talk of the off season of, you know, who's going to kind of earn that. Um you know, I, I know we kind of went back and forth a little bit, but watching that, it was pretty clear to me, at least in, you know, a, a sample of one, that that was the right call. I mean, McCain looked good. He looked under um, control. He looked composed, which we haven't really seen that consistently through some of the scrimmages. And at CTC, maybe there was just some jitters there. Um, I thought he looked really well and that he complimented the other four guys extremely well. Um what did y'all take away from from Jared's first start? Should we go to you first this time? Yeah, I think you hit it there. He just compliments the other four well. Um, you know, Foster looks to score. He's a scoring guard. And yeah. Jared, not that he can't score, but I think he's more just uh, in the flow of the game type of player. Um, and and then his defense, like some of the stuff he was doing, sneaking in from from behind, just, you know, and, and also keeping – he was definitely keeping uh, as an eye on – ball and man you know if he's in space i saw him you know basically moving his head the whole time um and just did kind of the little things well uh so i, I thought i thought it was a the right move for at least for now sure i thought the ball pressure from mccain was great it was really great from all the guards to be honest yeah. i mean in that first 14 minutes or so um because pembroke had 
10 points with like 630 left in the half. Then they obviously, I think they score like what, 14 or something to close the half, maybe even more yeah. than that. Um, and then that just carries over into the second half. It's like we got up 30 and they just didn't care as much. But, sure. you know, despite the not having like a real rim protector there, they were struggling. You know, obviously there's a huge talent gap, so that should be taken with a grain of salt. But uh, they were struggling just to, you know, even get into the lane. Uh, yeah. We were getting a lot of deflections. I think they had 11 turnovers in the first uh, 14 minutes as well. So I was I was impressed with McCain's defense. I was in, uh, impressed with Foster's at points. They both had a few things to clean up, like McCain got beat on a back cut yeah. at one point. Um, but, you know, those just little things. Um, obviously, Blake's looked great defensively. Um, and then the, the other two guards as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't want to really harp on it too much and with one game, but I think defense is something that we'll kind of probably monitor and track. Not maybe not so much in terms of efficiency, but just in terms of like style to see the guards were really kind of gambling a lot tonight, a lot of press, a lot of trap. Um, what I did like about that was um, I'm, I'm watching it and kind of comparing it to like K's press man to man. Um, I don't know if y'all looked at this too much and maybe I'm getting too into it, but it looked like the guards had green lights to get up top, but I didn't really see like that level of press from like flip and, and Mark where they're just high hedging, where we just have nobody within like 15 feet of the basket. A lot of times like the, the old school K. So I did like that where it was almost kind of like this, the zone press up top. And then we're still sagging a little bit. Um, because I think, you know, rim protection is going to be something that's going to be very different than what it was last year. And if we're picking things apart, you know, maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, I, I thought Flip should showed that there's room for growth there, right? Room for improvement as being the the lone man kind of back there. You don't have a lively there. Um, y'all concerned at all early on about rim protection, rim defense? I mean, we're playing a, a smaller team that's spacing you out. There's no Christian Reeves tonight. Again, we don't know how much he's going to play. Um, how how concerned are you about that? Or do you think the offensive firepower is going to neutralize that at all? I mean, we definitely kind of knew entering the season that the defense was not going to be as good as last year, particularly um, you know, on the rim protection front. I think Filipowski was mostly in position, I thought, to contest stuff at the rim. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to your point, he wasn't coming out that far, so he was able to get back. But, you know, for being seven feet tall, he kind of has short arms. And I felt like people were just able to, like, score up and over him. And then what aggravated the problem, I thought, and this is something that could be cleaned up more easily, is they got a lot of second and third shot yeah. attempts. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes they didn't score on that initial contest. That contest was good, but then we just weren't great at chasing down, um, you know, the loose ball as a team. Some of our guys did rebound really well. I thought Proctor did, but um, they, they were just, you know, for such a small team, they were getting way too many rebounds. And the announcers did say that they were one of the best D2 rebounding teams, but still, it's a D2 second, team. Yeah, second yeah. best. Right. Yeah. But that's a good test. I like scheduling a team like that when that could be our weakness. Um, especially when we talk about that defensive efficiency, we could play pretty good defense, but if we're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, that's going to tank your defense, right? Because then you're just playing multiple possessions in a single possession, essentially. Well, that sunk us defensively in uh, 2016, actually. Yeah. Um, we were like 100th in defense, but the initial defense wasn't bad, but with only, you know, with Ingram at the four there, 
um, we were just giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something to, um, and again, we're kind of picking apart things here too, right? Because if we go back to the the positive takeaways, I mean, um, our over-unders, you know, I'm sitting here kind of pegging us around 36% on volume. And tonight we shoot 44% on 25 shots from three. Um, you know, that's shoot taking some shots. TJ, both of those guys with quick triggers is what I really liked. Um, they just kind of let it go, let it fly. Obviously, you know, if Proctor is going to shoot 80% or whatever it was from three, that's going to boost it up. But I think Flip shot one and made one. Maybe he shot two. Um, Foster, even though he had that little kind of hitch going on in it, he he made his three. It, it went in. Um, I don't know if McCain, what his numbers were from three, but obviously you shoot 44% on that level of volume. That's going to, that's going to mask a lot of defensive stuff. Um the other thing that I thought was really good that we could talk about for a second here was not just the ball movement, but playing at a quicker pace and still only having five turnovers. So last year, turnovers really kind of got us at times, um, playing pretty slow for the most part. So I think that's a really good sign of having a lot of young guys. Um, but then you have that sophomore Proctor, you have that junior Roach to be able to increase the pace and not not commit that many turnovers. I think that's huge. Um, what did y'all take away from that? I know Flip had a few moments there, but for the most part, I thought we did a pretty good job valuing the basketball. Yeah, and I just wanted to kind of go back. I got the box score right here in my hand. Uh, Mark and Kyle both hit one. They were both one and one Yeah. Jared, Jared was 0 for 2. Jeremy only shot one, 0 for 1. Uh, Tyrese, obviously, we mentioned 5 of 8. Caleb was 1 of 2, and then TJ was uh, 1 of 4. Okay. And Jaden was 2 of 5. So, you know, not too bad. I think Spencer got one up uh, 0 for 1. So, yeah, that would have been our 25 there. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, shot the ball well. Um, shot the ball well from the line to re- really everywhere. That We pretty much shot the ball well all around. Um, and I believe, I, in the, I believe in the free throw shooting. I me mean, too. we were a good free throw shooting team last year. And then we add, you know, some shooters. So I don't see why it would get worse. Because I think they said we were 77% last year, which is great. Yeah, and out of the probably, if we look at like a top eight players, who's going to be the worst free throw shooter? Maybe Foster. Maybe Foster. (laughs) He's probably going to shoot. (laughs) Yeah, and so if, and he's probably going to be closer to somewhere between 70 and 75%, I would think, right? And that might be lowballing it. And so if that's our worst, that's pretty good, you know, especially the way that he likes to get to the rim. Um Right. You know, he's going to be attacking. He's going to be drawing a lot of fouls. So, you know, we can make a killing at the line. He seemed like he, you know, obviously will shoot the three, but his first instinct is to try to make a move and get to the basket. That's that's what I took away from just watching him in his first game. Every time he caught it, you could see he wanted to just put it yeah. down and, and and go to town. So, uh, but yeah, we're all two for six from the strike. Yeah. And so that's going to be an area for growth for him too, is sure. like not, not picking up a lot of charges and not getting in too deep. A few times he tried to draw, I think when he first got in or somewhere in that first half, he gets in, tries to make a move, tries to kind of go across court with the pass and it gets got picked, picked off. off. Right. Yep. And so that's going to be just continuing to learn that um, they're going to play you as a driver now, mm. probably right. They're going to dare you to take that shot. Um, but, you know, we're in a situation, and you talked about this, where Proctor and Roach really gives these guys a ton of, like, just release valves, right? Because they don't have to come in 
um, and be that super efficient, super ball dominant guard, they can kind of let the game come to them a little bit. So that gives them a little bit of chances there to maybe maybe kind of warm into it a, a bit. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see some, you know, huge McCain games, but then some huge Foster games too, just depending on the matchup. Like if we're playing a team that doesn't have a lot of rim protection, um, we could see Foster really go off if they're not uh, collapsing on the paint in the paint. But like when we're playing Virginia or something, Foster could look awful. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really going to depend on. Um, kind of that matchup and how they're kind of playing us. And, um, you know, I I thought for the most part, though, everyone looked pretty good. You know, I think defensively, again, there's going to be some questions there. TJ, Jaden getting beat a little bit. Um, If the shooting stays, then I think you can live with that. If that drops off, then you look at maybe do we trim the rotation or um, what happens from here? But uh, I know you guys go ahead. What did you guys think? I don't know if you noticed that there was a a combo it was Stuart Mitchell, Blake's Foster and McCain. Um they they created I like that lineup. They, they had the first shot clock violate, you know, they they didn't have it. They created right. the first shot clock violation or forced the first one. So yeah, I thought the defense was awesome in that particular lineup. Yeah. I was impressed by Stuart in general, really. I mean, especially obviously the second half, he kind of got a little more kind of room to operate. Yeah. Um but I thought he crashed the boards really hard. I mean, you talked about that on tip in yeah. on the floor. Um, didn't try to try to do a little bit much a few times in transition, you know, with the handle. And that's probably, you know, as you go watch tape against here. I think he finished one. The other, we kept the ball, but it, yeah, you know, he, he didn't get anything from it. Yeah, that's where you really kind of, you know, if you're the only guy out there, then you just got to try to do something, I guess. But, you know, going forward, that's probably an opportunity to just give and go. Right. Especially with the hops that he has. I mean, that lob that Foster threw. Mm-hmm. Um you're you're watching it play out and it's like dude how did you can read that coming from a mile oh, away yeah. like he just slowly comes off the back pick from jared and it's just like the lob goes up before he even fin- it's 10 seconds in the air almost yeah. there it's like good lord um but that could really change things too you could see him maybe as a backline rim protector a little bit at least on the help side maybe um he like showed off mid- a couple little mid-range shots too he had a nice of- little mid-range jumper yeah two, one or two of them yeah did you mention that uh, Reeves was sitting for like precautionary reasons? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I think he has to kind of, that they're looking at the knee. Um, the reason I bring it up is up, but... that could impact Stewart's minutes. Like if sure. Reeves is as good as he looked and, you know, the scrimmage, which who knows, but if he is and we're struggling with rim protection, he's the obvious solution. Yeah. Uh, and on, I guess the the inverse is, maybe this gives Stewart a chance to earn that spot, right? To, right. to take those minutes back or to earn those minutes to begin with. Um, Cause he does offer something when we're playing those smaller teams, it flips struggling a little bit in those non-flip minutes. If you want to go Stewart at the five, Mitchell at the four and just switch and press everything, you could probably get away with that. Um, and if he's just going to be a, re- a rebounding monster, then that could work. But um, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes but on the subject of flip i wonder if he'll actually look better against bigger teams that sounds kind of paradoxical but i think he'll have a greater advantage taking a traditional center off the dribble than he would like a six seven guy and you'd still like to see him finish better over that kind of like you know small body but i just i you know the, the reason you want to play a perimeter 
based big man at center is because centers are traditionally slow defensively. So the fact yeah. that we're playing like a sl- uh, smaller team just kind of negates that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to play Purdue again this year, right? right. And just to see what that matchup looks like now. Um, I think, you know, really, and then we'll go to some of the postgame stuff from Shu. I think the biggest takeaway so far is that there's just a ton of lineup flexibility in terms of what you do, if you want to go small, if you want to go big, if you want to mix and match and see what that looks like. Um, you could really put a lot of pressure on teams too. And what I really like is that I, it, theoretically it should be really hard to press us, you know, with the way that the amount of ball handling, the amount of space that we can generate. Um, so, you know, I know, I know John commented on it that he was pretty, uh, not super thrilled by the defensive letdown in the second half, especially those really those last kind of walk on three or four minutes. I think they went from like, what, like 48 to like 64 in just like a few minutes. Right. Mm. So, you know, some of that's just, um, I think if we had had the starters out there the whole time, it would have looked a lot better. Um, Yeah. You know, we just throw out lineups that never play together probably or haven't yet. Yeah. Before, before we move on, I wanted to bring up, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but Duke has traditionally been good at this, but I was really impressed by all the out of bounds plays. I think in mm. the first 14 minutes, I counted four and they were all successful. Yeah. Um, so you had the uh, Proctor kind of like pass into flip, kick to Proctor in the corner. That was the first one we've run that for years. Yeah, that's a gay staple. Yep. Right. And then you had the, uh, there's another one where Jeremy curls in the middle and hits that mid range shot which is kind of one that we haven't seen as much. Um, then there was the, uh, this was not like baseline out of bounds or anything. This was like a full court play, but uh, the the Stewart lob, of course, which you've already mentioned. Yeah. And then there was another, I don't know what they were trying to do because it resulted in McCain free throws. But so out of all those, what did we end up getting? Like nine points, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were good at that last year too, really. And so that I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that John has carried over. Um K was notoriously good at designing out of bounds stuff. Um, yeah, no, and and to that point, John mentioned in his press conference for us to score 109 points, um, and and he he said it himself. They didn't call a lot of plays. I only noticed like two plays that they called that weren't you know out of bounds plays. They they call a thumbs up and a thumbs down, uh, and I don't want to go over the details of those because I don't know if, you know, they want us giving up the secrets right away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't think I noticed much at all when it was the main guys out there. When I think McCain was running point there for a minute, he was looking back and John was giving him a signal. But I would imagine at this point, um, he feels pretty good about Proctor and Roach being out there and understanding what we're trying to do and what the game plan is and how to get into the actions. Well, oh. and if you want to run, you're going to run fewer plays because plays happen more often in the half court, whereas yeah. getting out in yeah. transition is going to be read and react. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, let's let's fire up some clips here, Shu. I know you were able to get into the locker room for a little bit. It sounds like a lot of guys were hitting the ice bath or doing their kind of recovery work. Um, I think we did get some stuff from Tyrese, McCain, and Flip. So let, let's start with Tyrese since he had the, the hot shooting star and uh, see what he made of that. So we can play that now. All right, last year, started a little shaky shooting the three. Hot tonight. How you feeling? I mean, I feel good. Yeah. I'm never worried about my three. I said last year. Um, just got reps at it and just confidence. All right. I like uh, the little spice you put on that shoe. Hot tonight. 
<laughs> and I, <laughs> I have an image in my head of uh, uh, Wayne's World of the shoe throwing on Foxy Lady in the jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously he's got to stay confident, but I think there's there's no way that it didn't get into his head a little bit last year, you know, of like starting that way. Um I think he knew that he was better than that. So it's good to see that like, Hey man, like I'm coming in this year, I'm ready to go. Um, obviously you start like that, you know, it, it looked pretty intentional of like, I'm setting the tone right away. Yeah. Um, because you know, those, there was like two at the end that were well, one that was kind of like a heat check and he made it, but yeah. those, those first two were like, you know, they were good open shots, but they weren't shots last year that he's taken that quickly. Right. Like there was no hesitation. The ones where he was coming off of a screen and he just kind of ducked instead of just denied the screen a little bit and step back. Step back. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to give me a space. I'm going to let it go. Um, And they they were all pretty soft too. Right. They looked really good. Um, So, yeah. All right. I think the next guy you talked to a little bit was uh, talking a little bit about Jared, maybe some of the handles and just kind of a little bit about his game. We can, we can play that one now. To ask you about this, I don't think it's a crab dribble, but I've seen you do it in a lot of the highlights. Is that something you've been doing for years, or is that just something that comes up on the fly? I, I got to give credit to my uh, to my trainer back in California, Shay Frazee. Okay. Taught me that. Okay. So uh, basically, my whole game is basically his. So okay. I like it. Anything I a little sneaky. I like yeah. it though. All right. Shannon Sharp. Those are my two trainers. So okay. I credit all that to them. Well played, Mike. Thank you. So the the move in particular, I don't know if you guys remember it, but he he starts to drive and then he he kind of backs you down like he's going to spin move and he starts to back you down. This is like at the nail. And then all of a sudden you think he's going to spin. He just takes back off with the same dribble, same hand that he's got already got it in. It's, I don't know. It's not anything like spectacular, but I've seen him do it, you know, in, in a lot of the highlight videos and even some of the scrimmage videos uh, a couple of times. And it seems to work like almost every time he does it. At what point in the game was that? Do you know? Roughly. Uh, maybe somewhere early and not early, but midway through the first half. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That, that kind of track. Cause it was really fast of like, you know, cause he's a lot of his game isn't really predicated on speed directly. Um, right. but that move that you're talking about, like, and he gets to the kind of the top of the key kind of catches, gets down to the nail and it's like, just like really quickly. Right. Just yeah. kind of gets into that, like kind of half moon quarter spin type deal. Yep. Um, was that yeah. the one that, Ended up in a left-handed layup, or was that something different? No, that yeah, that was it. I think. Okay, yeah. And I, I think like he had another one that was similar, but ended up in free throws. Um, I think he missed the the package at the end there yeah. um, and got to the line. So announcer kept saying "missed the works." It was annoying me. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. But too in the exhibition and at CTC, it's like. You know, it's not the end of the world, but like get our guys' names right. You know, like they're calling Roach Blakes, and it's like, come on, man. Like it's not not that hard. But yeah, at one um, point, one of them said uh, Mark Mitchell when she meant uh, Mark Williams. She was talking about the rim protection. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, shouts to Big Mark too, getting mm-hmm. paid out there. Um, all right, last guy. I think we uh, or we uh, should talk to Flip a little bit on just. Um, being healthy and kind of getting ready to to ramp up for the season, so we can play that one next. It's like the second most minutes of anybody tonight after surgery. You feeling okay? Feeling? Yeah, I feel fine. Okay. I feel great. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, I'm ready to play even more minutes than that. So, so uh, you know, you play that, I, I didn't, I didn't know, but yeah, but uh, but no, yeah, definitely, definitely ready to to you know get my body moving like it's ready for. Perfect. 
who was that chiming some in? more shots <laughs> yeah who was that chiming in do you know who was beside him uh it wasn't wise wiserman i can't remember who it was um I don't think it was Matt Giles. All those shout out to Matt Giles. He was uh, not a player me. then. Yeah. Not no, a, no, no, no. It was one of the, guy, one of the media, media guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah I, thought, just, I thought it was a player giving him a hard time. No, no. I mean, like I said, it was kind of limited availability when I walked in there. And this time I was on time roll. Um, like literally as soon as they let us nice. in. I, I you was knew like, where to go this time. Yeah. yeah. I walked straight in, but it, it was literally just, just flip. Um, flip McJared. Uh, Mark came in for a minute, Tyrese, and then I, I just said, what's up to Jeremy? It was his birthday. I don't know if we mentioned oh, that yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It was Jeremy's birthday. Jeremy. Yeah. So I just, uh, just you know, I, I bother him enough at media day last week. I didn't mm. figure I'd pester him with a bunch of the same questions. Well, that's kind of the guys you'd want to talk to anyway after this game, I would think. You know, I guess I did talk to the three leading scorers. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if Sean was there, it could have been cool to maybe just ask him about, you know, that getting that first, the first points being a lob like that. Like, how yep. nice is that? Right. <laughs> to just have an easy, you know, welcome to Cameron moment. Um, was that our first dunk? I guess it's not official. You know, last year, didn't we start the year off the, the very first play we threw an alley to Mark Mitchell? Oh, maybe so. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure. For, very first play of last season was an alley to Mitchell for kick it all okay. off. Yeah. So. Yeah, not, I, not I like, I like that. Um, you know, if you're going to put Stewart in, it's like run something for him, especially if you're coming out of a timeout, like run something for him right away that takes advantage of his athleticism. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and Flip didn't kind of really get a ton of shots early. I, I saw where he was a little frustrated once or twice where he kind of thought they had missed him. Um, one, they definitely did miss him where the John play looked like it was presser. designed to yeah. get down to And him and Proctor were kind of talking after that of like what they were seeing and, and all of that. Um, he got a little frustrated there, too, I think, just from, you know, we talked about him his verticality on the defensive end, but they were giving him a little trouble in terms of finishing over some of their guys too. Um, so, you know, maybe there's quiet, a little bit quiet of, 17, you quiet know, 17, quiet you, 17, you know, you didn't seem, I guess go, you know, back to back to back with baskets or anything, but it did hit his three, um, you know, a couple, a, a dunk or two. What do you have? Maybe one, but either way, just, you know, next thing you know, you look up and you're like, Oh, you had 17. Not bad. Which I, I did think was funny, Raul, looking at your over-unders you set the other day. 17 for him, what we have, like 16.5. Right, uh, exactly. I think we had Jeremy at 13.5, and he had 13. Um, so we, you were really close with a lot of those, how it played out, at least last night. Nice, yeah. Uh, what, what, what did you guys think of Jeremy, by the way? Because we haven't talked about him yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, for this first game, he wasn't – doing a whole you know trying to do too much or anything he he got to a couple shots i don't even know let's see how many total shots did he take he only took well, he took 10 shots it was nine of 10 or no that's free throws Jeez. that's free throws yeah he got yeah. a lot of free throws got a yeah. lot of free throws i think he so only took like two or three shots three shots right he took three shots yeah one yeah. three and three shots so yeah well, i assume some of those free throws would have been shot attempts too so right yeah. Um, yeah. so maybe he's kind of in that six sh seven shot range which is fine for how many a few minutes he probably played so yeah i don't have that in front of me but it couldn't have been many 19 yeah. right yeah. exactly so yeah. that's about what i would expect close um, to 20. Yeah. the only thing i did not like from him um was there was one possession where we got a little pass happy which is as bad as like not passing enough to me I don't know if you guys remember it, but there's a bunch of passes. It was beautiful. And then Roach had an open three. 
And then he just kicks it over to McCain for no reason. And then McCain kicks it right back to him and he takes a contested three and misses <laughs> it. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, just clean up a few of those things. You're a senior, like you got to kind of read the moment well. But other than that, I thought he played a good game, you know, and kind of played to his strengths. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, this is your four with Jeremy and in these types of games where it starts to get the weed, he's a guy that, um, we talked about it at media day, right? Like he's a crunch time, high leverage motivation guy, right? So when those moments are there, I think we're going to see, um, him kind of take a little bit more of that ownership, you know, in a game like this, when Tyrese pretty much ends it within the first minute and a half, 90 seconds of the game, it's kind of like, okay, let's cruise control, get into our stuff. Let me get these guys comfortable. You know, Sean, get some shots. You know, Jared, get some shots in. Um, they were finding guys. So, you know, ball movement looked fine. Um, not not too worried about that. But, uh, yeah, so first one in the books. Got our first uh, triple digits already out there. So we'll, we'll see how many of those. We probably should have maybe over-undered some of that. Maybe we'll do that again when the – We'll get a little bit deeper in for conference play or something. But uh, I guess we'll be back at it officially next week. When is that? Monday they play? Monday night? Yeah, Tuesday Monday night. night. Monday, yeah, night? Monday night? Um, so Dartmouth, right? Dart, yeah, Dartmouth yeah. on Monday night. So we're, and then Arizona comes to town Friday. So Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Right around the corner. So big time basketball coming up next week. Oh, that's yeah. It's pretty, pretty exciting. Um, so we'll, we'll find out pretty quickly where we kind of stand and how much of this stuff is real and how much is not. And because yeah, I think um, Michigan state is right go. after that. So yeah, yeah. There's no rest I mean, once that stuff once that gets yeah. going. So yeah, I mean, Dartmouth uh, projected to be 277th on Ken Palm, you know, obviously Ken Palm doesn't mean a lot right now, but that should give you a kind of idea. They're, they're near the bottom of D one. So I would expect us to be favored by at least 25, maybe 30. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we turn around and we face Arizona, who's ahead of us in Ken Palm. Right. Um, well, projected to be ahead of us. Right. And then you got Michigan State there too. Um, Arkansas, all these teams are in the top 15 in Ken Palm to start the year. So I would uh, think with it being at home against Arizona, we'll probably be like a three point favorite or something, maybe. That sounds about right. Um, and that's going to be a really good test for a defense too, right away, because Arizona projects to yep. be really good offensively. So, um, Tough task there for, for for Jay. See what he's got in the bag for for that one. But uh, all right, let's take a let's take a little break here, and I think we'll we'll come back and we're gonna kind of switch gears a bit and talk about some recruiting stuff. I'm gonna dive into obviously, you know, the 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 cat's been out of the bag for a while now, but we're talking about Cooper Flag, um, that commitment. We'll talk about a few other guys that uh may be joining him here in the near future and uh hopefully we'll have uh john watson and steve clark here to join us i know we got steve what we're going to see if we can get john in here as well so uh we'll be back in just a second you can now relive the best moments of the uefa champions league 24 7. the uefa champions league channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals highlights and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. 
Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back. So, well, we're, like we said before, we're going to kind of pivot here a little bit, talk a bit, a bit about some recruiting. Um, we got Steve Clark here from the Devil's Den. He's going to join us. Um, John Watson might pop in here in a little bit as well. Um, Steve, been a little bit. Glad you're back with us, man. Good to see you. Um, you too. Some pretty big news. So last time we were here, we talked about half of these guys that you saw at, uh, down in South Carolina over the summer. Um Cooper flag is, is kind of the diamond here, right? Like he's been talked about in terms of a generational type guy for years, um, transfer reclasses up, maintains the number one overall status, um, for you, before we get into his game, just first off, how big is this for John Shire in year two? I think it's, I think it's huge because we've, you know, the talking point about, uh, John Shire's recruiting so far, that's, that's been warranted, uh, has been just how amazing the recruiting run has been when you think back to the very first class that he recruited while he was still the head coach in waiting uh, under Coach K. And you have Mm -hmm. to give John, you have to give John tremendous credit for the recruiting run that he has been on as he's prepared to become the the head coach and then became the head coach at Duke. But getting a guy of Cooper Flagg's um, stature, of his capability, of his recruiting ranking, like impact, all of it like I, I, you have to think it's it's john's finest recruiting effort that he's ever done like in terms of potential impact like not minimizing anything what those other guys uh what they brought to the table under under shire both you know guys that are there in the in the program now like flip and and others but this is this is to me the biggest recruiting win uh that shire has had since he became a head coach yeah yeah, um, and beat out some pretty big names too, right? You got Bill Self, who's renowned Hurley. recruiter. Kansas speaks for themselves. Um, you got Hurley up at Connecticut, who maybe not is in the quite of the same mold, but they're coming off the momentum of winning a championship. It's close to home or closer yeah. to home up there for Cooper. Yeah. Um, big, big time from from John here, I think, to get yeah. that get that locked up, signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, what's I want to talk a little bit just about the hype and how that might translate. But before sure. that, just for you and for those listening, if you kind of had to do like a maybe a player comparison or just kind of break down Cooper's game a little bit, um, what is Duke getting in Cooper Flag? Yeah, I think it's it's to me he's a real kind of hybrid mix of a lot of guys that Duke has had in the program in recent years, like in terms of. Like when you think about the force that he plays with, like even though he is not the similar body type or athletic profile like Zion Williamson, like Cooper plays with that level of force that that mm-hmm. Zion that Zion brought. But then when you think about big wings that have come through the program, you know at at Duke, and you think about guys that you know played with a real edge and intensity to them, like you, I think the the comparisons that are out there with Jason Tatum and Shane Battier and Grant Hill, like he, the level of force and skill and athleticism that he brings to bear, it's generational and it's on par in terms of coming out of high school 
with all of those guys. I just, he's, he's a mixture to me of, of all those guys and many more. And I'm just, I'm so fascinated. All I can think about uh, with it is, is number one, Shire knew that Cooper flag was going to be his number one priority, uh, especially for the 2024 class. Once the reclassification uh, talk started happening and Shire did a really good job at thinking about how do we want to build this class around a generational talent like Cooper flag. And I think he's built uh, and will continue to build with some decisions that are coming down the pike, a class that is going to complement him. And I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, not only can you build around him, but the impact he's going to have, not just with scoring the ball, but in all other facets of the game, like he's going to be on the perfect team. Yeah. Because it's been built around him. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah. just everything that you want in a mobile NBA style wing, big wing, Cooper does everything. He literally yeah. does. Yeah. Um, we said that right after Khan committed of kind of jokingly about my next text if I'm John Shire is to Cooper Flags and here's your shooters and just listing the three point percentages from Knipple, Harris, and Evans together, and then you pair a flag with, and then we're not even talking about guys already on the roster. Um, I think surrounding him with that. Another player comp I want to toss out to you, non-Duke guy. Um, Roe, we've talked about it a bit. We've seen it kind of floated a little bit. Defensively, and the, you, that, that force that you're talking about of Zion, Andre Karolinko. What do you see from flag? Yeah. And, and I'm talking about just in terms of that, like that help side, like just rims, just that force defensively. Where is flag at on that level? Is it more just of a help side flash block guy? Or is are we talking Battier-esque defensive IQ here? It's it's everything. It's the it's the total package. And I think watching flag, you know, he played the five, you know, for his main United team. I've watched him for for several springs and summers now you know even at the u15 and u16 level and he is an absolute block machine when he comes over from the weak side like his instincts coming from off ball to either help or try to block the shot from the weak side he has some of the finest defensive instincts that i have ever seen in a high school prospect ever and i've been watching guys in high school since jj reddick and shavlik randolph like his his defensive instincts are outstanding and the force and the effort that he plays with, it does not stop. Like even we talked about this on a uh, earlier podcast, like when I watched him at Peach Jam and he was going head to head with everybody, AJ Dabansa, Cameron Boozer, like he took on all comers and his effort and the ability to impact shots and impact defense. It was it was one of the finest defensive performances I've ever seen in my entire life. That's mm-hmm. how good he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to. He's going to have a massive impact at Duke just off of that, just off of what he does defensively. And if Duke lands, I know we're probably going to talk about these guys. If Duke lands a guy like Patrick Nambanga to go along with the other bigs that they're, you know, potentially going to have in the program, like Cooper's going to be able to play defense exactly the way God has made him to play it. Like there's, (laughs) there's no other way to say it. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To that point, is will this be the best defensive prospect coming in as a freshman that Duke has ever landed? I'm I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. We've had some good guys. We've had Sheldon, we've had Battier, some guys who had great defensive yeah. reputations coming into the program. Sure. So what do you sure. think he kind of stacks up with them entering as a freshman? Not where they eventually got to, of course. 
Yeah, I think it's a fascinating discussion, Raul, and I would expect nothing less from you. You've got a great mind for the game. Um, I I think he has the potential to have a massive defensive impact along the same lines as those guys. And when you think about Battier, like Battier for me has always been one of the most interesting guys that I've ever covered. And there's some similarities to Cooper there because Battier, obviously, you know, top 10 in the country, highly ranked prospect coming out of high school, you know, great offensive skill. But Battier came into Duke, and you guys remember, the first two years, like, he was option, what, four and five offensively? Like, Mm -hmm. he made his name on defense. And it wasn't just because he was like, that's the only way I feel like I can get on the floor. He made his name defensively because he wanted to. Mm -hmm. And Cooper, Cooper Flag to me, has the same attitude coming in. He wants to play defense. And he has the ability with his wingspan, his effort, his athletic ability to make a massive impact defensively with how he guards the ball, how he can help weak side. Like he's going to do everything that you want in a big wing. And with Sheldon Williams, like even though Sheldon Williams finished with all the, you know, all the big shot blocking records that he did, he stayed all four years. Like I'll be interested to see if uh, Cooper flag challenges like on a, for his one season at Duke, I'll be interested to see if he challenges any of Sheldon Williams single season block records. He's that, he's that dominant defensively. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean that, I think that's the piece that gets me the most excited. And I think it's a good segue to our, I wanted to kind of have like a little round table here with you all. Um, you know, not all number ones are made the same. And I think when a lot of fans hear number one recruit, they immediately go to this like offensive, like True. Marvin Bagley type numbers of like 22 and 12 or something like that. Right. Um, what do you think it's going to take or what would it take from for Cooper and year one at Duke to kind of to match this hype, right? To like to come in and to say that like, okay, he lived up to the hype. Because for me, I don't think it's going to be like a 2010 type thing. I'm I'm looking nope. more at like somewhere like 13 to 15, but also like seven to eight rebounds, three to five assists, three to five blocks, like this just across the stat board stuffing thing. Like yeah. what, what do you think is like, okay, this is going to mean that he lives up to the hype. And can we really see that in college? I, th- I think we I think you can. And I think with him, he's going to lead in statistical categories. Like you were rattling off some of those kind of common ones. Like he's going to lead in other categories that are like NBA measurements. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if they measure like, you know, shots influence, he's going to blow that completely out of the water. I think he's going to have the capability to lead the team in blocks, you know, or at least challenge for top two. Uh, in that and I and I agree with you like from a scoring perspective because when you watch him play on the offensive end like he does not try to be the focal point in terms of like being a volume shooter you know he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton but he's a willing passer and not just a willing passer he's a great passer like I had I followed him for a couple years now on his main United team and I followed him on uh with him playing for Montverde. And the thing that he brings to both of those teams is he's got a high IQ for you can run screen roll with him. And when you run screen roll with him, he's a big, okay? So he's going to be defended by another big. And his passing ability off a screen roll in transition, he's great at pitching ahead. He's great at filling the the offensive lanes. You know, if he gets a rebound and kicks it, like he's going to do so many things for Duke offensively that don't have anything to do 
with dominating the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's going to get his stuff in the flow of the offense. And this goes back to the comment that I was making earlier. Shire has done a phenomenal job with the commits that he already has for that class and the couple more guys that uh, things are looking good with. He has built a class that is going to complement Cooper Flag in exquisite ways because it's not just floor spacers. He's going to have a guy potentially in Patrick uh, Namaga who who is deciding this weekend who's also a really good rebounder. So Cooper, if he doesn't get the rebound, Cooper's going to be free to get out in transition, leak out. And he's a dominant athletic freak in transition. If he gets the rebound, he's going to be able to he can initiate the offense. He can pass it off to one of those open floor spacers like Darren Harris or Isaiah Evans or, you know, or Con Newble. Like that, that, that team is going to be built around him and he's going to make an impact in all the ways that you want in a big way. Yeah. I, I wonder if, I know he's just going to be a freshman, but I wonder if Evans could actually lead Duke in scoring that year over Flag, despite Flag having more hype, just because. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base here, but Evans to me strikes me as more of just like a kind of score first mentality. Is that correct? Because I've always kind of seen him as like a, a shorter Ingram, maybe. Yeah, he's a scorer for sure. But what I saw of him this summer uh, when he was playing for CP3 on the uh, on the at the Nike Peach Jam, he was playing alongside uh, who's the kid that's going to North Carolina? Uh, the commit uh, is Ian Jackson. Stein? No, 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 no. Um, Styles. Styles. Uh, no. They got the Powell kid from North Carolina. Um, yeah, Powell, that's it. Jackson. Drake, Drake yeah. Powell. It was Drake yeah. Powell. That's yeah. right. That's right. Like he was. I, Isaiah Evans was playing alongside, and they were running offense to him. And a thing that was really good with Isaiah Evans that I think he's going to bring to the Duke program. He's going to help them in the hot in the half court offense too because he has that. And this is where I think the similarity is to uh, Brandon Ingram. He is lethal at the free throw line, at the elbow area. You can run offensive actions off of him. He's great in isolation situations. So you can run, if you, if you wanted to, you could run horns with Isaiah Evans on one side and uh, Cooper Flag on the other. And good luck trying to defend that because all the actions that you have, because both those guys can handle the ball, both can assist, both can shoot, both can isolate, like, and they're going to have floor spacers, you know, uh, out there, uh, out there with them as well. So I think Evans is going to be a, a guy that he could lead the team in scoring. I don't think he's going to be a dominant force in transition, the way uh, like Cooper Flag would be. But you got to be able to do half court offense as well. And I think Isaiah Evans is a guy you could run offensive actions off of and for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and you mentioned Big Pat, so we'll, we'll kind of segue and talk about him yeah. next. So with Flag now in the bag, that's three top 20 guys already. Potentially yeah. could add two more to have five top 20 guys, which is yeah. pretty incredible when you think about almost like 25% of the top 20 being at Duke. Um, so Big Pat also was at there for at CTC, him, Flag, VJ all together. Yeah. A lot of documentation about how they all went and sat with the crazies. Um, we're recording this thursday night so by the time it drops it'll probably be after his announcement on saturday but right. should should pat choose duke what kind of guy are they getting out of him obviously he's big he's massive but what type of player do you see him being at the college level 
Yeah, there's been a lot of really good discussion on the on the Devil's Den board about this, and I know there's been a lot of curiosity. Are we looking at the you know Are we looking at the next Marquis Bolden? Is is he different? Sure. I think he is. I think he is different. Uh, from Bolden in some ways. I, I felt like, because I scouted Bolden quite a bit when he was in high school, because he came in in the same class with with Harry Giles and with um, Jason Tatum. And the thing that's different with Patrick compared to Bolden, I feel like Patrick comes in a little bit more offensively polished. And I saw that this summer. I was at every one of his games uh, for the multiple days that I was at Peach Jam. And you can absolutely run offense through him in the post but he's also pick and roll capable. So I'm really interested to see how does John want to feature the offense because Patrick has just enough passing ability and his offensive footwork is such that he's got his initial move. He's got jump hook over both shoulders. He's got good counter moves. So you can run offense through him and just imagine like what it's going to be like if you're playing Patrick at the five and you've got Cooper flag at the four and then you've got floor spacers out there for the one through three, okay? And just imagine the offensive actions that John Shire is going to be able to run with those guys because Patrick is good enough offensively coming in that he has to be accounted for on offense. Well, is he going to be the primary initiator of every single offensive set? No, I don't think so because you've got a generational talent like Cooper Flag that you could do that with, but there's enough position flexibility there. There's enough size there. There's enough offensive skill uh, that's there that I could see Patrick having a, a really good impact on on Duke. And on top of that, I don't think people give him enough credit for how competitive he is. Like, mm-hmm. like I remember watching one of the games at Peach Jam this year when uh, his AAU team, Team Takeover, was going up against the Vegas Elite Program. And the Vegas Elite Program, you know, for those who don't follow, they are one of the most competitive top-shelf EYBL programs that are out there. They've been really good for multiple years now. They always have really good talent, but they also play extremely hard. And when I saw Team Takeover go up against them, Patrick was leading the charge along with uh, uh, his potential future teammate at Duke, uh, Darren Harris, in terms of setting the competitive edge uh, for that team. Like Patrick is not afraid of physical contact. He throws his body around. He's active around the rim. He gets after it uh, on the glass. Like he's a big physical presence. And I think he's going to have a huge impact at Duke, just in a different way for people to like. Coming back to the uh, Bolden comparison. Now, Bolden no. didn't end up being much of an offensive player for Duke. However, no. I did think by Bolden's junior year, he was pretty mobile. The defensively and has some really good rim contesting yep. chops yeah yep. he has long arms i don't what do you think of nagongba there is is is, is the size a limitation uh quickness i don't like that? i don't i don't think so like i think patrick is like in terms of college bigs there's not going to be very many guys that are going to be bigger than him and i think what's going to be really good with him you know like you know like we've had this discussion for a long long time where when you think about bigs that have come into the Duke program, aside from guys that come in like ready-made, surefire, one and done, there's always this conversation about how are these bigs going to evolve, right? Mm. Like what's what's their skill level coming in? How are they going to evolve? Bigs always take longer. The thing with Patrick that's good is he's already coming in with some offensive skill. You know, he's coming in with good footwork. He clearly shows an ability to understand space uh, and how to defend it, how to move in it. 
So I think he's going to hit the ground running a little bit more and the coaching that he's going to get, I think they're going to help him get in even better shape than what he already is. Uh, They're going to help him get even more athletic. And I think in that program, because they're going to be able to play kind of a four out one in, you know, where he's going to be the five, the amount of space and time that he's going to have because of the presence of Cooper flag and all those shooters that they're going to have out there, it's going to help Pat be able to operate in the way that he is accustomed to operating, which is the focal point in terms of, a you know, being a big that you could do stuff through. Yeah. It's, it seems like having flag out there will really take the pressure off of him defensively too. Simply because yeah. if you're if you know if you're if you're big and you're playing with four small guards, you can't offer any resistance on the perimeter. Yeah. Then you're kind of on an island there. But having flag being able to rotate over just probably makes his uh, shot blocking and rim deterrence maybe a little less important. Yeah. yeah, and and even and even with it, like he's a big body, and he's and because he's able to move, like I I think his footwork is really good on both sides of the court. So we're not talking about somebody that's coming in as a defensive liability. Like maybe he's not like Sheldon Williams in terms of coming in right away as a, as like a high volume shot blocker, but I've seen him show a defensive ability. Like even in, even in AAU where it's kind of legendary, you know, that you don't see great defense. Like I've seen him play good defense. He's competitive as all get out. Yeah. Um, nice little pipeline there between uh, Duke and Paul Vasix right now, right? So him and Darren Absolutely. Harris are teammates. Jeremy Roach, alumni over there too. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor Keels. Yeah, Trevor. So n- nice little pipeline opening up there. And I definitely yeah. like the commentary that him and Flag paired together really seem oh, to come. Because yeah. if there is an area where like, okay, you probably don't want pat like on an island and high ball screens too much with quick guards right but if he gets stuck over there you have probably the best help side defender in the nation and cooper flag covering up and then on the opposite side of the things cooper doesn't have to bang down low all the time against the five if yeah. you got big pat there kind of anchoring that so and, and flags um, a little on the skinnier side and we've seen that uh i've been watching a little chet holmgren in the nba and he's been great so far but when he's had to go up against like Jokic and stuff it's been a little bit of a struggle. So having kind of a bigger body in the gongba down there could really help. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I mean, let, let, for the analogy would be like, let Pat guard Baycott and let Cooper just come up behind him and just take everything that goes up. <laughs> right. And just dominate in that way. Um, but uh, yep. w- let's talk about one more guy here. Um, VJ Edgecombe. So this is a yeah. guy that admittedly, I don't have a ton of stuff. So I'm going to lean on you here, Steve. I'm just going to throw it out though. Like, Reading some of the scouts, seeing some of the highlights, I'm going to go way back, and then I'm also going to compare him to a new guy. Like, I'm somewhere between Corey Maggette and Justice Winslow as how I see this guy in transition, with just the power, the force, the athleticism. Maybe a Dante Jones is another guy that you could kind of put yeah. out there. Gerald um, Henderson, maybe? Henderson, another one of those kind of just just freak athletes on the wing. Um, kind of break down a little bit of VJ's game yeah. and kind of what you see from him at the college level. He is more of a big two, three versus a three, four. So for me, when I scouted Justice Winslow, when he was in high school, I always felt like he's more of a big wing that could play four uh, mm-hmm. for Duke. And, and we saw that play out. Gerald Henderson and and the Dante Jones ones is kind of an interesting comparison to think about because, you know, if if memory serves me right, Dante Jones, I think his last season at Duke, he kind of played that four role for them, but it was kind of undersized, right? Yeah. He was more of like a two, three, but he was a big bodied athletic two, three. 
They just yeah. played him at the four. I think what's going to be interesting with Edgecombe, you know, if, if he decides to go to Duke, he's going to be such a good complement to Cooper Flag because he's going to be unique in that he has an ability to drive the ball that nobody else on the team aside from Cooper Flag will really have. And what's interesting is I remember watching him this summer, he was playing for an Adidas team. And I went up and watched him play the same day that I was watching, uh, like Coa Pete, Gloria Badunia, you know, who ended up at another school. And VJ, at that point, he was kind of emerging as, all right, he's a guy that Duke is going to be serious about. But it was my first look at him. So I knew going in from an Intel perspective that he's a guy that Duke could end up being really serious with that was totally different from everything that they had lined up in terms of plan for the uh, 2024 recruiting class. And the more I watched him and thought about him from the perspective of, okay, if he were to go and play at Duke with the class as it was currently constituted, because mind you, that was before Con Nupel committed. That mm-hmm. was before Cooper Flag reclassified. They had their eye on him from a plan perspective as a guy that could come in and be a driver of the ball. And I was curious to see what does he look like defensively? And when I watched him play, he was playing in one of those feature games that Adidas does on the opening day of their weekend. So it's all the really good teams playing against each other for like a showcase. And he was by far one of the better players on the court. And the thing that I liked about him that he'll, that he will bring to Duke if he goes there, aside from his ability to drive the ball, he can absolutely guard on ball or off ball. He's lethal in the uh, in the passing lanes. He had multiple steals in the game that I watched of him. And when they were running offense with him, there were times where he would do a straight line drive and he's really good with his body, like absorbing contact and getting through it and finishing. But you can also run pick and roll with him. So now that Cooper Flagg is committed to Duke and the possibility that VJ Inc. Edgecombe, who it sounds like from what we've been hearing, is really intrigued by the idea of playing with Cooper Flag. Those two guys at like the three and the four, like good luck trying to guard those guys because they can both shoot. They can they both have good size positionally. They can both drive the ball. You can run pick and roll if you want. Like he's the complement to everything else that they've done uh, in terms of how they built the class. He's going to be really good for Duke if he goes there. It sounds like they could be a lethal defensive tandem too. Oh Flag yeah, and Edgecombe. Yeah, I mean they 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 both play with an attitude. They both get in a stance. They guard their guy. They play the passing lanes. Like I'm like the the transition opportunities for next year's team if they land VJ Edgecombe. Uh, along with, uh, you know, obviously with Cooper Flag committed, like the transition highlights are going to be off the charts next year because both of those guys can play on the ball, off the ball. And if you give a weak pass, it's going to be a highlight reel dunk at the other end. It's They're going to be that good defensively. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, a, a nice little, uh, we made a bunch of comparisons, but I was just kind of looking into it. I think Sewell was initially the lead guy on VJ, which is, Maybe not yeah. a bad player comp, but then if you look at some of yeah. the other guys that Sewell has been on the lead on recently, Wendell yeah. Moore, Kasia Stanley, VJ yeah. Edgecombe, a lot of familiarity in that player archetype and what they can oh, do. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's such a no, it's such a good point. And you have to give credit. Like 
you know, having been around Sewell at events, you know, and, and following kind of how he approaches things that I remember a conversation I had with Emil Jefferson. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. I was at a uh, EYBL uh, event up in Indianapolis. And I was talking with him about uh, he was scouting some guys that were new to him that Sewell had asked him to take a look at because Sewell had already started recruiting them and they were kind of trying to do a cross match. And it was interesting listening to Emil describe how Sewell, not only how he identifies talent, but how he recruits them and how he communicates with them. And the thing that, you know, Duke fans will remember with Sewell, like, you know, he was one of the, probably one of the best leaders that Duke has ever had, you know, especially as an upperclassman. And he really kind of brings a different approach to how he communicates with these kids. And I think he's the exact right recruiter for a guy like VJ Edgecombe because uh, Sewell is really, he's deliberate, he's focused, he knows who he is, he knows what he wants, he communicates clearly, he's no nonsense. And that's exactly who VJ Edgecombe is. Like Edgecombe is a silent assassin who knows what he wants he does things with purpose, and I think him and Sewell, they've got a good relationship going there. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as we kind of get ready to round out, let's do a hypothetical here. Let's say BJ and Pat join this class. That gives Duke five top 20 guys and six guys overall. Safe to say that the staff is preparing, and not that this is a big surprise, but for a pretty big exit compared to what we saw last year, right? We got a lot of guys on the oh, roster yeah. that are probably going to look to make that jump. Um, sure. So bringing in a big class, if hypothetical, these two guys commit, where do you think that puts Duke in terms of like best Duke classes of all time? Now, it's hard to do that without the hindsight, but just coming in, I mean, top of my head, I'm thinking, you know, you got the big 98 class that was massive with Brand and Battier and Burgess and those guys. Um, you had the big, obviously, 2014, Justice, Tyus, Jawil. 2018, you had Zion, Cam, Trey, and RJ. Um, where do you think this class stacks in terms of those all timers again assuming that's what we don't you know two of these guys aren't yeah. committed but if they do yeah. where does that that it's got to be pretty high up there right i think in terms of recruiting rankings yes but we've had this discussion before like recruiting rankings are such an inexact science mm -hmm. that even if you have a number one class which that if they land edgecombe and pat Obviously, you're talking about a number one overall quality class where I think this I think this class, if it plays out that way, I think they would have more room to grow. And I think they would be forced to grow because all of them would play. And I think the situation with them would be a little bit different compared to some of those classes that you were just talking about. Like you think about the Zion class, like the team was built around them, right? Like they were mm -hmm. featured and they were them along with a couple guys that were, you know, you know, who had stayed back. That was kind of the core group. I think what Shire's trying to build is a team that is going to be built around uh, Cooper Flag because he's a generational talent. But I think it's going to be a team that's going to be very deep and it's going to complement each other in different ways. And you're going to see a team that's going to get better as time goes on. Whereas I think like when we watched the Zion class, especially that first game, I remember being mm -hmm. there uh, in Indianapolis when they went up against Kentucky. 
Yeah. And I had some real questions going into that game. I'm like, I know these guys are awesome. Like they're four amazing elite top 10 guys, but how's it going to look? Because Kentucky was super deep. They had experience and they just completely got the doors blown off of them Mm -hmm. uh, by that Zion team. I, I think that class they're going to get better as the season goes on. And I think you're going to see some crazy, amazing plays from Cooper flag, but they're going to be a team that's going to evolve over time. And I think, like I said before, they've been built to complement each other. They have shooters. They got guys that can handle it. They're all willing passers, but it's going to be a little bit of a different makeup compared to the Zion group. Yeah. I think that's a great point because it's not like collectively, if we're crunching just how many stars or how many aggregates come into this formula, they could rank maybe one or two. But if you're talking about it in terms of like how many guys is in the class, right? Like how many dogs, how many like alpha level, this guy could be one A, one B on any team in the country, like that 2018 class. RJ was considered a can't miss, right? Like, and he's sure. he, he's had some moments, but he's played really well so far this year. Um, but you know, and then you had Zion and Cam that all projected to be surefire pros. Uh, this one could be a little bit different, right? In terms of just you yeah. know, how long does does Evans take a second year? Does what does VJ really look like right away? Like, where's the shooting at? Where's this coming from? Cooper, I think we can shoe in. Um, Pat, not necessarily a one-and-done type guy right away, maybe, right? Maybe he needs an extra year. Uh, so I, I think it depends on how you're talking about quantifying the class, too. Right? Yeah, and I, and I think we've and I think we've seen it now with Shire, you know, both with both with last season, and he, and he's doing it again with with this season that just kicked off the last night. Like I think Shire likes to have a wide variety of options that complement each other. Like that's how he's building his team. I don't think he wants to build a team that Jess is going to feature and be dependent upon, you know, one, two or three guys. He likes to have a versatile complementary team. And I think you've seen him build that so far with mm-hmm. last year's team and this year's team. And I think you're going to see a continuation of that philosophy with next year's team as well, because even with the departures uh, that are expected, the guys that potentially could return uh, to play alongside this, you know, potentially really big, uh, freshman class that's coming in there's going to be a lot of different pieces that could co- that could be molded and complement each other in different ways and you can win that way i mean look at what shire did sure. last year with his first team he had a lot of options he did a lot of different things and he kind of figured out what worked instead of just being like right from the get-go all right we're building around this one or two guys we're going to do everything off of them and nothing else develops like his approach is different and it's a, and it's a good different, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point in terms of it's very intent. And we've talked about this for two and a half years now of how intentional it seems to be yeah. in terms of roster construction. It's not this. Obviously, if you can get an RJ Cam and Zion, you go out and do it. But would John even attempt it? I don't know. Right? Would he even attempt to try to bring that kind of class in, or would he be looking for? What does the roster look like? How do I maximize a Zion? Is it with these two other guys or is it with Zion and three shooters and a bit? You know, like, what does that conversation look like? Um, so I think that's going to be super interesting going forward here. To but, me, uh, I know we got to get out of here, but to me, it all kind of boils down to who's returning of those two freshman guards. Are we getting both of them back? Are yeah. we getting one of them back? Are we getting zero of them back? Because if we get neither of them back, then... The uh, ball handling maybe looks a little bit thin, 
But if we get Foster or McCain back or both, yeah. we're good to yeah. go. Yeah, if you yeah. just get one, McCain's getting a lot of noise and buzz. But if you could just get one of those guys, um, I mean, you talked about pairing VJ and Flag together, throw Foster in there with them in terms of what they're doing on the wings and like on the pressuring the ball, oh, yeah. getting out in the, in the um, yeah. in the you know, in the break there, it's going to be uh, yeah. pretty exciting no in that regard. But um, again, Steve, we, we appreciate you coming on. I'm glad to kind of break this down. Hopefully, these two trend keep trending the way they're trending. They end up at Duke. I think, like we said, Pat announces Saturday. So by the time this comes out, you might already have a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of mojo going in that regard. So um, we'll continue to kind of update and plug in and see where things are going. We're excited to start off the season again, big game Monday, huge game Friday. So it's going to, it's going to happen very quickly to see where this Duke team's at. But um, in the meantime, y'all can rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on the board at the devilsden.com to keep up to date with all this recruiting noise going on. Check out some of these clips that we played and some of the player interviews on the YouTube page. You can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or X these days, uh, at devilsdenpod247. Um, so uh, hopefully we get two more in the bag and uh, keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go do it. Set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.